Greetings, patriots, friends, sweet brethren of the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Before we begin, I have to make an apology. Last week, when I talked about National Day of Prayer, I made a major, major mistake, a major error. And how this came out of my mouth, I'm not sure how. And the funny thing is, I didn't even know I said it until I listened to the program at 8 o'clock p.m. And um, I called the station guy right after that. And I said, look, you know, I can't let that go on at 11 p.m. So I apologize to the 11 p.m. viewers or listeners, rather, because what we did was we just aired the week previous um, instead of instead of last week's, which was about National Day of Prayer. So uh, what I ended up saying was that National Day of Prayer supported same sex marriage and obviously National Day of Prayer does not, does not support same-sex marriage. They support marriage between a man and a woman. So I'm not sure how that came out of my mouth. I think I, well, I know what I was meaning to say, that they do not. And somehow I missed realizing that I actually said that. So, um, or I could have uh, edited it out and for that, I do apologize. So I, I just, you know, I, I could just imagine your faces when you heard me say it, thinking, oh my goodness, she's, she's lost her mind. How could she say such a thing? But anyway, and um, for those who listen at 11 p.m., uh, you'll, you'll understand why we didn't air the 8 p.m. show, because we had no way of, at that point, point in time to edit it out and so we just ran the previous week's program so I apologize for that but we'll get it right today <laughs> now actually before I get into my message for today I do want to make several comments um, I received the presidential proclamation for the National Day of Prayer from the White House. And I thought it was very important that I read that proclamation to you today and that I read the West Virginia proclamation from our Governor Jim Justice. I want you to listen very, very carefully to the two different proclamations and what they're saying. So I'm going to read the proclamation from the White House, Mr. Joe Biden's proclamation. Here goes. Throughout our history, Americans of many religions and belief systems have turned to prayer for strength, hope, and guidance. Prayer has nourished countless souls and powered moral movements, including essential fights against racial injustice child labor, and infringement on the rights of disabled Americans. Prayer is also a daily practice for many, 
whether it is to ask for help or strength or to give thanks over blessings bestowed. The First Amendment to our Constitution protects the rights of free speech and religious liberty, including the right of all Americans to pray. These freedoms have helped us to create and sustain a nation of remarkable religious vitality and diversity across the generations. Today, we remember and celebrate the role that the healing balm of prayer can play in our lives and in the life of our nation. As we continue to confront the crises and the challenges of our time, from a deadly pandemic to the loss of lives and livelihoods in its wake, to a reckoning on racial justice, to the existential threat of climate change, Americans of faith can call upon the power of prayer to provide hope and uplift us for the work ahead. As the late Congressman John Lewis once said, nothing can stop the power of a committed and determined people to make a difference in our society. Why? because human beings are the most dynamic link to the divine on this planet. On this National Day of Prayer, we unite with purpose and resolve and recommit ourselves to the core freedoms that help define and guide our nation from its earliest days. We celebrate our incredible good fortune that as Americans we can exercise our convictions freely, no matter our faith or beliefs. Let us find in our prayers, however they are delivered, the determination to overcome adversity, rise above our differences, and come together as one nation to meet this moment in history. The Congress, by Public Law 100-307, as amended, has called on the President to issue each year a proclamation designating the first Thursday in May as National Day of Prayer, Now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden, Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim May 6, 2021, as a national day of prayer, I invite the citizens of our nation to give thanks in accordance with their own faiths and consciences for our many freedoms and blessings, and I join all people of faith in prayers for spiritual guidance, mercy, and protection. In the witness thereof, I have hereunto set my hand this fifth day of May in the year of our Lord, 2021, and of the independence of the United States of America, 245th Joseph R. Biden, Jr. Well, I'm going to tackle that in just a minute, but I want you to listen to the proclamation for the state of West Virginia by Governor Jim Justice. Whereas the 70th anniversary of the National Day of Prayer will be held on Thursday, May 6, 2021, with the theme, Lord, pour out your love, life, and liberty, based on 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And whereas a National Day of Prayer has been part of our heritage since it was declared by the First Continental Congress in 1775. And in 1952, the United States Congress approved a joint resolution setting aside a day each year to pray in our nation. 
And whereas in 1998, the United States Congress, by public law 100-307, as amended, affirmed that it is essential for us as a nation to pray and directed the President of the United States to set aside and proclaim the first Thursday of May annually as the National Day of Prayer. And whereas leaders and citizens of our nation are afforded the privilege of prayer, affirming our spiritual heritage and the principles upon which our nation was founded, and whereas recognizing the love and power of God, we unite with fellow citizens to exercise the freedom we have to gather in prayer with thankfulness while seeking guidance, provision, protection, and purpose for the benefit of every individual and our state as a whole, and whereas we specifically thank God for those who defend our freedoms and ask for peace throughout our state, nation, and world. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, Jim Justice, governor of the great state of West Virginia, do hereby proclaim May 6, 2021, as National Day of Prayer in the Mountain State, and encourage all citizens to join me in this observance, in witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the great seal of the state of West Virginia to be affixed, done at the capital city of Charleston, state of West Virginia, this, the ninth day of April, in the year of our Lord, 2021, in the 158th year of the state. Now, there should be something extremely obvious to you without me telling you, if you listened carefully. But in Mr. Biden's White House proclamation, the name of God was never mentioned, ever. The theme of National Day of Prayer from, uh, from the scripture uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17, our theme was, Lord, pour out your love, life, and liberty based on the scripture. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is freedom, was also deleted. And of course, in this White House proclamation from the president, we have words like racial injustice, child labor, infringement on the rights of disabled Americans, um, and then the talk about a reckoning on racial justice to the existential threat of climate change. Can you imagine that in the National Day of Prayer proclamation, we are talking about the existential threat of climate change, which is absolute garbage and does not exist. Thank you. And then the statement that they threw in about from John Lewis, nothing can stop the power of a committed and determined people to make a difference. How about the power of God to make a difference in our society? Um, I did think it was kind of a joke that they even put in here, that they recommit themselves to the core freedoms that help define and guide our nation from its early, earliest days. That is uh, so far from the truth um, because this government, current government under Joseph Biden, 
does not believe in the core freedoms that help define and guide our nation. So this whole prayer uh, proclamation, uh, again, you know, it says, let us find Find in our prayers, however they are delivered, the determination to overcome adversity, rise above our differences. Again, no mention about thanking God, uh, looking to God, seeking his uh, um, favor, his strength. Um, It's terrible. It's It's an absolute disgrace to have this proclamation sent out from the President of the United States. I am embarrassed to say. But I was very, very proud of the beautiful proclamation that came from Governor Jim Justice, the governor of the great state of West Virginia, of which I am a part of. So I had to get that off my chest. It just it just bothered me so much that um, I guess it just gives you, you know, I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. I guess we should understand that our current government is anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ in every way, shape, and form, in every one of the um executive orders that were signed into law that's all antichrist it's it just nauseates me so anyway i've got that off my chest today's message is called connected to the vine so let's pray father we thank you that you are the caretaker. You are the caretaker of the vine. You are, you sent your son Jesus, and Jesus is our vine, and we want to stay attached to the vine. And we thank you that you, Father, are the caretaker of the vine, our Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, today, as we talk about being connected to the vine, would you help us to just to realize the importance of being connected to the vine and that we would have a desire deep in our heart to never, ever let let ourselves be disconnected from the vine. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, well, the week before last, last week I talked about National Day of Prayer, but the week before that, I read from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, talking about um, Jesus as the vine, his father as the vine dresser, or the person who takes care of the vine. (coughs) Excuse me. And, um, And the importance of being pruned. Now, pruning provides great strength and growth for a plant or a bush. Um, And you know what? I want to take a moment to look at the physiological reasons to prune a plant. And as I read this, I want you to think about all of what I'm saying. Think of it in a spiritual context context. 
as I'm talking to you about plant physiology. Okay, so to answer the question, we need to understand what pruning does to a plant physiologically. Now, plants are genetically programmed for apical dominance. That is a botanical term that describes the simple phenomenon that plants always want to grow upward. Apical dominance is enforced by the terminal bud. That is the bud at the end of each stem, which produces a constant supply of hormones that keep the buds below it from growing. When that terminal bud is removed, production of those suppressive hormones ceases and the lower buds are released. As a result, pruning stimulates a lot of new growth as multiple buds take over the job that was just one single bud the job that one just one single bud was doing previously. For the gardener, the new growth that results from pruning can accomplish any of the following things depending on the kind of plant. So if it's a, if it's a specific kind of flower like a rose or a butterfly bush, you'll get more flowers. Um, also, um, certain plants will bloom again later in the season if you prune them. Uh, you will get better leaf color. You will get brighter stem color. So if you have a plant like an Arctic fire dogwood, then those stems will be brighter red. Um, pruning also is used to neaten the plant's appearance to control the plant's height or spread to rejuvenate an older, overgrown shrub, and lastly, to remove disease, dead, and damaged wood. So, from the physiological standpoint, pruning is very, very helpful. You don't have to prune, but if you do, you get the benefit, and all the benefits that I just shared with you. Now, if we think of it spiritually, we are programmed, you and I as Christians, we are programmed to grow upward also. We actually are genetically, um, um, we were created to grow upward, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking up to heaven our heavenly home, looking up, Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. So what does pruning do for you and I? I just shared with you what it does to the plants, but for you and I, it brings times of refreshing. It gives us clear vision of the future, a clearer mind to hear God's voice, new strength for the battles ahead. It may rejuvenate your faith where we may have become stagnant and little weeds of unbelief begin to grow. 
it stimulates a fresh new vision for our ministry or a fresh new vision for what God has planned for your future. You see, pruning is not only a good thing, it's a necessary thing. To remove old, dead ideas, behaviors, it's good to rid ourselves of the leaven, the sin that may have kept us from a strong connection to our vine Jesus. One obvious picture of the vine connection is looking at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is a great picture to really understand this whole connection of being connected to the vine. Now, the Garden of Eden was lush, flourishing, fruitful, and filled with God's presence. Now, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. The Bible tells us that. Imagine the splendor of the garden. I mean, as a gardener, I, you know, I get such joy at looking at my flowers, at looking at the shrubs, at looking at the trees. I mean, it's, it just makes my heart go pitter-patter. Right now, my azaleas are in beautiful dark pink bloom. And um, my coral bells are just lush and colorful and so, so pretty. So, you know, what I'm seeing on earth doesn't even compare to what's in heaven. So imagine the splendor of the Garden of Eden and the splendor of walking every day with God, having a lovely chit-chat with him, adoring his presence and giving him worship and loving him not from afar like we have to, but close, just like next of kin, strolling and communing together. Now, when sin entered the garden, separation occurred. And you see today, nothing has changed. When we sin and we either ignore it or hide it, suddenly we are separated from the vine, disconnected to the source and sustenance of life. We begin to wither and shrivel, and that's why abiding in the vine, God's word, and in his son Jesus, so that the life of God in us is ever flowing with fresh water. Not stagnant, not foul-smelling water, but the fresh water of heaven. And ultimately, the goal is to bear much fruit because then the Father is glorified. Now, next week, we're going to look at the next set of scriptures, John 15, 9 through 17. And again, it's going to kind of keep us in the same vein but with a little bit of a different focus. So with that, I want you to sit back and enjoy. This is one of my favorite songs. This, this song has been around a long time. I probably learned this when I was very young, 
young person, young child, and it's called In the Garden by Alan Jackson. Well, folks, let's stay connected to the vine, our life and our source. Amen. Well, this is, this is Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. And I thank you for praying for this ministry. I feel those heartfelt prayers. They are important to me. Please keep them coming. And would you please consider... Uh, helping this ministry financially, you can write me at Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I look forward to being with you again next week. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.